0: Trustbytes.
1: Hi everyone. Welcome back to Trust Bites. I'm your host, Dr. Darren Detweiler. This and all our episodes of Trust Bites are presented by the fine folks at my trusted source, your digital solution resource. For our ever complicated global supply system, here today with Jeremy Zinli, another advisory board with my trusted source. Jeremy, welcome. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? Great. Do me a favor, if you will, for those who have no idea who you are, will you tell a, a little bit
0: about you and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So, again, my name is Jeremy, and I am the director and head of health and safety for EG America. EG America is the parent company of a lot of popular gas stations slash convenience store brands across the country. And we're at about 1,600 locations at this point. We sell any and everything. And I, again, happy to be here and happy to discuss with you. Well, it's, it's a pleasure to be
1: talking with you. I think I told you this a while back. I remember from when I was a kid. A long time ago. That sense of freedom when I was given a dollar or two, this, get a long time ago, by my parents and allowed to walk a block and a half or, or so away to the, the convenience store near where I grew up. It was this wondrous place. You know, you walk in, it's got candy bars and it had... So had alcohol and cigarettes, but that's, you know, it was a thing back then, but there was ice cream and there was milk and there were video games back when video games were new and I used to play Centipede, Pac-Man, and there was crackers. Even back then, back in the 70s, I remember this as being this place where you could find everything in there. Oh, yeah. In your perspective, convenience stores as a retail location that you can find everywhere in some places it's literally the difference between uh, a food desert and having
0: places where people could buy foods just how diverse is this world of convenience stores i'll agree with you darren i I remember that when you woke up when you walked into a convenience store and yet again in my day is more like five bucks in your pocket but (laughs) and uh is like opening up the gates of eden It's wonderful So totally get that. And I still kind of get that feeling a little bit walking in just because there are so many possibilities again. I love that there's so many possibilities, but the other half of me gets a little bit nervous that there's so many possibilities because there is complexity in our range, unlike a lot of the other industries, what convenience stores do differently is we don't specialize in one thing, we specialize in like everything. So we can go from, as discussed, a, a bag of chips bag of Doritos, all the way to some of our more coastal locations that sell live bait. And we have to deal with where the live bait is and so on and so forth. We also have restaurant-style convenience stores that fry chicken. Um, especially in the South, they fry gizzards, they fry gator. And I got to tell you, it is delicious. Uh, my first time drawing a fried gizzard was actually at one of our locations in the Panhandle, of Florida. And again, maybe not something I'll get again, but it's very good to have so we literally deal with everything and we also do deli slicing we slice fresh meat in the back at a lot of our locations so if you name it we do it or we've tried it well let's
1: just for the sake of discussion here let's do some kind of ballpark numbers sure in a typical convenience store that you take a look at that, that you are involved in
0: about how many different
1: types of products might one find
0: oh it's probably 1000
1: 5000
0: yeah, it could be. I mean, and it also depends. It's not just what we sell at the location that's different. It's how the location looks and the environment, which is significantly changes as you go through generations of stores, as you go from like the Northeast, where we have zero land, right? So we have tiny little stores all the way to like in the middle of Nebraska, we have these massive stores that almost double as grocery stores. We even have a couple of liquor stores actually sprinkled out there somewhere, which is Interesting. So, yeah, we have all different locations and types. And what ends up happening is that regionally, you learn of what the consumer wants within that region and they stock it. But we have to also make sure that we're tracking some of those regional products to make sure, again, we're keeping the trust up and, and, and staying safe. And it is a lot of products. So, we have two different lines. We have the, you know, Frito Lay branded stuff. And then we have all of our private label stuff that we do too. That's a whole other side of the health and safety team that manages that piece of it. And just in that, just to give an example of what we have branded, we have things, everything from a special hot dog, right? That's on the roller grill to our own lighters, like, you know, lighter, light a cigarette type of thing. So our health and safety folks have to not only understand and learn about the safety restrictions and all the intricacies of a hot dog now we actually also have to learn about the safety intricacies and everything about lighters so we deal with a lot which actually is one of the best parts of our position we feel is that we really get to understand and get into a lot of different areas um, of safety that we normally wouldn't be exposed to uh, when you're working in food manufacturing or in some of the other industries involved. I think mean, we can
1: look at food in different areas, right? We can look at quality. Is the packaging look good? We don't want to have dented or damaged boxes or things that are miscolored or whatever right? That bag of chips or that candy bar that's been in the sun and the packaging is faded, right? That doesn't necessarily will always impact food safety, but it definitely affects the quality somehow. Food safety, and we'll get back to that. There's food defense and food security. When you start looking at the idea of impact on can someone economically sabotage, you know, bioterrorism or Or are we looking at something where it's impacting sustainability issues? And then there's authenticity. You know, if it's a branded hot dog, it doesn't matter if it's in Nebraska or New Jersey or Florida, they want it to taste that way. If it's a branded tortilla chip or candy bar or I remember the slushies, the slush puppies drinks, you don't want the grape flavor to change or be different from location to location. So you want to have not only the quality quality. I the consistency, but if it is Nathan's Hot Dog or whatever the slush puppy brand is, you know, I could see it, but I don't know what the name of it is. I want that authentic look and experience and taste. And I want
0: it to be not a knockoff. Right. Right. I don't, I don't it's slush Puppies. Slush Puppy. Know. That sounds like
1: it's going to be slush, not slush. You
0: have to pay next to Sloosh. That's the problem.
1: <laughs> there you go. That must create some challenges in terms of a food safety culture. So the question is, How do we build
0: and implement a food safety culture that encompasses all of this? How much time do you have, Darren? (laughs) We have an interesting way of building a food safety culture in EG America. We do it a little differently only because of how we understand where our stores are at. So the big challenge that we have, at least for us and and probably really among a lot, any major retailer out there, is that it's, it's largely decentralized. So we have one corporate office in Westboro, Massachusetts, and then we have 1,700 stores scattered across America, right? So because of that, we have to make sure that the culture is not really driven 100% only by those that are sitting in HQ, but is driven locally within each brand and each store, The way that that is difficult is the the prevailing thing is that you start at the top and and make sure that they understand the culture. The culture does really start at the top. And we here at EG America are very lucky to have a culture and a a leadership support team that is very invested in safety and believe in food safety and, and the paramountness of food safety and workplace safety and not really financially, but more so because we want to keep everybody safe. And we want to make sure that you come to work for us and then you go home and nothing happened and it's just a normal day for you. Same for our consumers. So where we started was we said, okay, the leadership team, great. We need food safety culture. We need this and that. This is what you're going to do. We expect that food safety is intertwined in all the decisions we make. This is great. This is all good stuff, Darren, but... When that's said in Westboro we have to make sure that that message is passed over to our store in California and how do we do that? We've actually created a little bit of a different strategy where we're creating the demand for food safety culture from the ground up instead of having it just start from the top and only come from the top, it's now going to be coming from the employees as well so it's coming from all different levels so how this scenario would play out and how it has played out, and we have a lot of really good examples of this, is leadership has a training. We do training. I have a, I have a field team of specialists out there doing these trainings. They do a training on heat and serve. Right? You have to heat something up to 165 okay? because maybe they're serving chicken wings or whatever. Great. Now we want the store employee to like really take that information and say, okay, I have to heat this up to 165. That should mean that Anything else that's poultry, I probably should have to heat up to 165 too. What our expectation is and what we're trying to do is we want the employee to be able to generate that question in their mind and then ask that question to their leadership. Because the more questions like that and the more things that are being brought up, that is creating the demand for a food safe culture. The why we're doing this is we have 20,000 employees, Okay our turnover rate is very high, just like in any retail. So out of 10 employees that are there one year, maybe one out of those 10 employees are still there the next year. So we have an issue, we have to keep changing and and going with that turnover. And the way, again, we do that is we're creating the localized demand and we call it like a bottom-up demand for a food safety culture.
1: But there's also a food safety culture that goes on behind the scenes, I'm imagining, in terms of but you talked before about you know, whether it's sandwiches or ready-to-eat foods. What are you doing as a corporate in terms of verifying that if it says 100 percent beef or it says it's organic or whatever, whatever the certification is literally on the label. What are you doing behind the scenes in terms of building that
0: trust in terms of food safety, before it even gets to the store?: So there's a massive process behind the scene. Before you have a new product come out, well, we take part in every single piece of it. We regularly visit our vendors to make sure what they say they're doing, they're actually doing. That's the first thing. Again, you're establishing trust, which as we discussed in the last episode, trust can take years to build and seconds to break. So... We're building that trust, especially if it's a new supplier, like with a new supplier, we'll go out to their facility, we'll take a look, see what they do. When they give us the product and they say, okay, we're going to give you this, we'll give you a candy bar and this candy bar is lower sugar and it's organic. Well, we're not going to take any claims for face value. What we do is we work with that supplier. We say, okay, I need to have a validation for each one of the claims on your packaging. If they can't produce that validation and they're just giving you these claims, Darren, that is your red flag that you do not want to work with that supplier anymore, right? Because that trust is already broken. They're saying it's organic, but they have no way of telling you why it's organic. That trust is broken. We know that because we've been in the business long enough to to understand how these relationships are formed. What we do with really great suppliers is it's an ongoing relationship and partnership I'm regularly on the phone with our suppliers saying, hey, we have these issues and we talk through it together. They're not going to hide it from us. They know we're better to talk through it. We're creating trust. If they're going to change an ingredient and that ingredient change is going to hurt our current packaging and we could have hundreds of thousands of pre-made packages ready to go for the stuff to be packed into, where our trust factor would come in is if they change that ingredient, they need to tell us, number one, And they also need to have us approve that ingredient to make sure it's not something that is going to significantly alter the flavor, the taste, any of the organoleptic profiles of it, but also the safety. And we also look a little deeper and we say, okay, now do you have that included in your food safety plan? Or if you're in a USDA plan, it's a meat product or your HACCP plan and so on and so forth. So we look and we validate every piece of that product that is out there, especially when there are claims on that product. Again, a lot of that back and forth is really how we're forming that trust with our supplier. And our strong suppliers, they'll be the first we go out to with new products. We'll say, hey, we've had a great relationship. Yes, we've had some bumps in the road. We've worked through it together. You've done good on your part. We've done what we need to do on our due diligence. We have a new product. We'd like you to do it. As opposed to a supplier that is constantly hiding stuff from us or not really getting back to us if we have quality issues or safety issues and so on and so forth. We have suppliers near it all the time that we say, Hey, we'd like to come for a plant visit. They said, No, you're not coming for a plant visit. We're not allowing you to come for a plant visit. Say, OK, that's fine. We're on to the next supplier. It happens. So that's how we look at creating trust through the supply chain. And again, part of culture is empowerment right, and communication, and making sure that those things are happening so that we can make sure we're empowering our frontline employees, the person heating up the tornado or heating up the sausage or heating up the pizza. All they have to do is heat up the pizza and, and do what the settings are because the background has been done. We know by the time it got to the store, yeah. it's safe. I know we talk about food safety, but even with an allergen, if it says that it
1: is free of, you know, like you were talking about that pizza, right? Imagine someone who's like, I'm hungry. I want to eat that pizza. I just want to make sure it's free of any nut allergens. And the packaging says it's free of nut allergens. And the person uh, preparing it, selling it, or whatever goes, yeah, based on this, it says it has no nut allergens. But behind the scenes, having that confidence that it was validated. I was working with a restaurant uh, years back that found out that one of their supplied items that was supposed to be nut-free was produced in a facility that one day a year they did produce something that had peanuts in it. And they said, no, we're not going to get it for you because you can't guarantee that it is produced in a 100% nut allergen-free facility. It was just one day, but you can't, anything more than zero means it can't be 100%. We can't guarantee this to our customers.
0: Yeah, I see that all the time. I've been places where the notion of being like nut-free or even like gluten-free is they're talking about one line that there's no nuts on, but guess what? Like three feet over is the other line that makes all the stuff with the nuts in it. The vegan
1: hamburger being cooked on the same grill, grill or griddle or whatever as the traditional hamburger.
0: There you are. That kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah, and it happens all the time. It happens all the time, especially like when you're talking about FDA inspected facilities, they haven't seen the FDA in years. So they're just going to continue to do what they do and I'm not going to blame them because maybe it's not knowing what they don't know. And again, a lot of these, especially when you go more of a mom and pop type of manufacturing supplier, you'll see that their idea, and this is something as an industry we have to fix, but their idea of a safe product and them being safe is that they have not had any recalls. And that's the only idea why they're safe, because they have to have a recall. No one's ever said anything. So we must be okay. Or I show up and you have all these lists of issues. They're like, oh, no, we're fine. We're fine. Okay, show me your last audit. They show me an FDA audit from like five years ago. I'm like, guts. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? But that is their idea. That is a huge risk right there.
1: You talked earlier about how you get off the
0: highway and there's a
1: bunch of convenience stores slash gas station and you know people on a road trip or whatever. One last question is, I would assume that when you're talking about a food safety culture, you're also thinking about it in terms of, it's not just convenience per se, it's convenience for people that literally may be in a
0: different county or a different state within the hour. We get all walks of life in our stores, okay? And we love all walks of life in our stores. We, we do, okay? But when you have a place like a restaurant, like say you take the Capitol Grill, which is a really fancy high-end steak, you're going to get one sort of demographic mostly that is going to be your consumer at that restaurant convenience store nope we have everybody and we have people from all over the world coming to convenience stores because again it's a place to stop if you talk about like regionality of even like flavors and tastes i before having a disposition never understood how different it is it's almost like you might as well be in a different country when you go to the south for example I remember when we first launched our coffee down there. I was down in our Tom Thumb stores and they were saying, What are you think of the coffee? They'll like it. Coffee's huge up here. Come really farms. And coffee is the product, as I'm sure you can recall living across one. And uh, the guy says, Nope, we don't sell any of it. I'm like, Really? I'm like, yeah, nope, no one likes it. I'm like, what do you mean they don't like it? They won't try it. Okay, why won't they try it? Said so they go, they basically take a little sample from each single one. And if it's not dark enough, because I guess they really go by color, they're not going to have it. Well, we only had one dark. We had a Colombian dark at the time. We have more now down there. But again, that's a seller that's not a huge seller up here. But down there, it's huge. I remember during the pandemic, I had half the country calling me because they're freaking out because the local authorities were shutting down our self-serve coffee. The other half of the country is yelling at me or calling me all, all upset because they're shutting down the fountain. They don't care about coffee. It's totally different. It's totally different. The regionality is, is just crazy. But what we lo- like to do, though, is have that consistency where you can buy one of our main products donut here and have the same donut in West Virginia and that you're going to have in New Mexico. It's interesting, D- Darren. It's wild out there, but it works. So <laughs> people come to us. Well, I have to admit, I travel
1: a great deal in what I do. And I've been to some of those places where it is a convenience store slash art gallery or convenience store slash museum or convenience store slash icon on the highway from Point Yeah, to, And it's almost as if sometimes the the foods are second billing to the, you know, whatever
0: is the... Yeah. The hey, nostalgia is a big piece of it. Again, we're talking about that trust. It goes right into the idea of nostalgia, right? We have People that come into our stores and they're like, I live in California now and I haven't been to a Cumberland Farms in 30 years. I just had to stop in to get a coffee just because I needed to see the Cumberland Farms and see what it was like. You get that all the time.
1: I would imagine though, the last thing they come in to find though is is a complete breakdown or non-existence of the food safety culture that we've discussed. If that's what
0: they found, Aaron, then I would not be sitting here talking to you today from this chair. (laughs) That's <laughs> what it that way.
1: Well, thank you for talking with me on this topic today. And, um, you know, again, it, it's easy to say, you know, one size fits all or it's out of the package or it's a canned product, but it sounds as if wherever you go, a food safety culture is going to have to evolve with a, a different regional sense or taste or fitting the needs of that specific location. And for a central view of it, it's got to be diverse in many aspects.
0: Food safety culture is one of those terms that are easy to say but hard to do. It's just like regionality in terms of organoleptic preference. You also have training needs and education are different in all areas of the country. As you know yourself, as as an educator, you can't educate the people the same way that live in Maine. They're not gonna consume the same way as someone in Texas. It just is different and we've found that, right? So we have to scale all of our safety training and everything to make sure that we do speak to those folks. Because guess what is a huge detriment to our culture is if no one can understand each other. Very, very good point. Well, Jeremy, thank you very much. And thank you for those who are watching this
1: episode of Trust Bites presented by my trusted source. Thank you so much, Darren. Have a good day. Trust Bites.
0: Bites.